Okay, so we are going to be reading from Luke 18, starting from verse 18. Okay. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, will fail to receive many times as much in this age, and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, as they did not know what he was talking about. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside, begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Thank you, Brad. G'day, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Um, now, I've got a few movies uh, that I'm going to pop onto the screen. Oh, look, I'm sorry for the video, people. I've just shifted, haven't I? Um, here I am. Um, so there's some movies, uh, and I want you to discuss with the person next to you what all those movies have in common. So have a look. What do all these movies have in common?
Okay, anyone got any thoughts for me? What do they have in common? They're on a quest. Yeah, what quest? The meaning of life. Yeah, we're getting close. Treasure. Immortality. Melissa just cuts straight through. Uh, so the quest for eternal life, uh, immortality. Um, so Indiana Jones and, and Monty Python's, uh, the what is it? Uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Uh, that's the quest for the mythical, you know, the, the cup that Jesus drank on the last on his last night at the uh, at the Last Supper, uh, and and there's this legend that if you drink from uh, the Holy Grail, uh, you will have eternal life. So that's what those movies were about. Pirates of the Caribbean was about the search for the Fountain of Youth uh, in in South America, uh, and. Uh, the la- oh, and, and I just noticed that with Harry Potter, that's Voldemort's quest, isn't it? Uh, immortality. Uh, and the whole series is about him trying to hold on to power and life forever. Um, and I just thought, wow, how many movies are about eternal life? Uh, you think into it and you start realising uh, we have a lot of interest in immortality, uh, and uh, it really drives the plot of so many movies. Even the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you're into that, uh, I think immortality is a very strong theme in it. Um, all right, okay, so how about this? How, let me show you some more pictures. Uh, can you recognise these people and what do they all have in common? Right, quick word to the person next to you. Do you recognise them? What do they have in common? Okay, so, uh, so you've got Bill Gates, Microsoft man, Jeff Bezos, is he Amazon, Mr. Amazon? Elon Musk, who's at the moment apparently the wealthiest man in the world, uh, so he's, who, who's he? Oh, he's second, he dropped as of yesterday. Right. <laughs> Claire is onto this, David. He bought Twitter, and that was a bad mistake by the look of it. Anyway, all right, so that, he's up there, you know, in the first, and, then, and then Gina Reinhart, uh, Australia's wealthiest person. What do they have in common? Well, this is what they have in common. They cannot buy eternal life, hey? And these are the wealthiest per- people on the planet, and yet all their wealth cannot buy them eternal life. Yet here is the thing. Jesus offers eternal life. If we would just listen to him, he offers it to us as a gift uh, to be received by faith. Uh, So listen well today because you can take hold of a treasure that is out, out of the grasp of the wealthiest people on the planet. And I don't want you to ever take that for granted. It is a blessing and a privilege that we want to treasure Uh, more than anything else. So, how can I inherit eternal life? That is the earnest question of this young ruler who comes to Jesus. Um, And I've got to say, I I like this guy, right? There's certain people in Luke's gospel, like the Pharisee at the start of chapter 18, and I just, I'm just, I just don't like him from the outside, you know, from the get-go. He's just proud and arrogant. But this guy just seems to have a sincerity to him. 
Uh, he's, he's on this personal quest for eternal life. He's respectful to Jesus. He calls him good, good teacher. He tries hard to be a good man. He keeps the commandments. And he's on about eternal life. And so with this guy going so much for him, why does he end up walking away sad? Right? And, and I want you to think about that with me. Because I, I reckon if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a while, you've heard this story many times. But I want to admit to you, every time I read this story, I just find it intriguing. Because the way Jesus goes about answering his question is not how I would do it. Uh, and and it, it, this is one of those stories that kind of is meant to get under your skin and get you thinking hard and deeply about those things. Uh, now, I've done some hard, deep thinking, and I'll give you some of my thoughts, but I want you to wrestle with it uh, as we go. Why does this man walk away sad? I've got two answers to that. Firstly, Jesus wants more than this man was willing to give. Jesus was asking more than he was willing to give. So... Verse 22, Jesus says to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And when this man heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Wow. This man who had so much going for him, but Jesus asks him to give it all away. And he just couldn't do it. As much as he wanted eternal life, he actually turned his back on eternal life uh, and went away sad from this encounter with Jesus. He went away sad because he was wealthy and Jesus was asking more from him than he was willing to give. So verse 24, Jesus looked at him and Jesus said in the hearing of the crowd, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is for the rich. Now that is an outrageous thing to say, isn't it? Uh, in any culture, it's hard for rich people to get to heaven. And I just want to say that ought to make each one of us here feel at least a little bit uncomfortable because we are the rich. Um, you know, and we're not rich in comparison to the Bill Gates and Gina Reinhart's, but Australia in the, what are we, the 21st century, we are amongst the wealthiest people ever to have lived. Uh, you may not be rich compared to your neighbours, uh, but compared to the rest of the world, you are rich. Uh, so let me, let me demonstrate that to you. I checked it out on the internet this week, um, and the minimum wage in Australia... Oh, so there's... So what is that? The 20 countries with the highest minimum wages, so that's what the, the lowest worker will receive uh, in blue there, and Australia is amongst them. The 20 countries with the lowest minimum wages, uh, you can see most of them are in Africa, uh, and 20 countries without even a minimum wage... Uh, they're those countries there. Um, so, minimum wage in Australia, $42,000 per year. That, that's high, isn't it? Like, I, ju I just didn't realise how high the minimum 
wage was. But according to the World Bank, anything over, over $18,000 puts you in the high income bracket. Anything under $1,400 per year puts you in the low income bracket. Now, many of you are getting $1,400 a week, uh, but $1,400 per year, if you're earning under that, the World Bank classifies you in the low income bracket. So living in Australia, we are, among, we are amongst the wealthiest people on the planet in one of the most prosperous times in history. And Jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now the crowd were stunned at Jesus' words uh, because in Jewish culture, uh, wealth was a sign of blessing from God. So often the wealthy were considered to be the most likely to be close to God. Wealth was the blessing of God on their lives. But rather than being an advantage, Jesus says wealth is a disadvantage. And he says it in other places, doesn't he? Blessed are the poor, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is it about money that is such a barrier to entering God's kingdom? I want you to have a word to the person next to you. What is it about money that Jesus puts his finger on as a barrier to entering God's kingdom? Have a quick chat to the person next to you. I'm eager to hear some of your thoughts. So what do you reckon? What is it about money that is a barrier to entering God's kingdom? Sorry? It can be, yeah. Yeah, it can be what? A barrier? Yeah, okay. So self-reliance. So rather than relying on God... We rely on ourselves, yeah. Other thoughts? Yeah, Alan. Okay, reluctance to leave the comforts of this world. Um, Yeah, and so following Jesus could mean leaving some of that and it has its pull on us. Other, yeah. It becomes an idol, yeah. And the idea is that our affections and our worship goes towards that rather than the true God. Um, and I think idolatry is a great way of thinking about it, and, and, and the rest of the New Testament talks about greed as idolatry. And the idea is we're meant to put our confidence in God, we're meant to trust Him, we're meant to find our security in Him, but we can actually do that with other things and money is right up there. It's one of the things that we put our security in, we put our trust in, um, uh, we we find our happiness or we think we're going to find happiness uh, through money. Uh, Let me show you a video. It's about 10 years old, but it just captures some of these things really well. Uh, So let's have a look. I 
and king. Master of my destiny. Ruler of my fate. The gold I use is mine, not borrowed. I shall live within my means. When vain desire raises its head, I shall cut it off. Not with a sword of steel, but with a will of iron. I am king. I march to the beat of my own drum. I fly the flag of need, not greed. I am king. I dare you to tell me otherwise. I hold the reins. I press the buttons. I call the shots. I bow to no one. I am free. I am king. There you go. F pos, right? I am king. Uh, it's, it's a great ad, isn't it? And it just captures up the sort of our attitudes to money. Uh, and did you notice some of the ideas? Freedom, power, autonomy, security. Um, we believe that if we have enough money, then we, well, it's almost like we don't need God because I am king, ruler of my own destiny. I depend on no one and nothing. Uh, I have the power in my hands. And this is why Jesus says it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, indeed, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, how do you get a camel through the eye of a needle. Has anyone ever thought about how you would do that? What's that? Flu powder. Oh, Harry Potter. Okay, okay. The world of... Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. if you want to just suspend reality for a moment. Yeah, there's one. With a blender, one piece at a time. Yeah. Okay, and now you guys, you're perverse because this is not what Jesus was intending. Jesus was intending us to come to the conclusion you cannot do it. Uh, you've missed the point, right? Um, so, and the crowd catch on. Who then can be saved? Verse 26. And Jesus replies, what is impossible with man? It is impossible. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And that brings us to the second point. So why did this man walk away sad? Jesus was asking more than he was willing to give, but secondly, he had the wrong approach. He actually was approaching things all wrong. So have a look. Come back to the question that he asks. Verse 18, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now there is an inherent problem with his question um, the whole point of an inheritance is that it is not something you earn, it is something that's given to you. And if you don't realise that, it will bring you a lot of grief uh, in days to come. Right? There can be deep bitterness and resentment in your life that will plague you for years and years and years if you think that you are entitled to an inheritance or somehow you've earned it. No. It is a gift. Uh, and the wealthiest family in Australia right now have been torn apart, in spite of their billions of dollars, have been torn apart 
for over a decade because of inheritance and rivalry and argument um, over who gets the money, the family trust. Now, I've told my mum and dad when they die, I'm not going to argue. As long as I get at least a third, uh, <clears throat> I'm happy. Uh, no, 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 that was just a joke, right? Uh, now, this man, see what he's, see he's, he's got a problem in his thinking straight away. What must I do to inherit? So Jesus takes the man to the law. Verse 20, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And he says, all these I've kept since I was a boy. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you lack one thing. And you just go, what is this one thing? This man who has so much going for him, you know, sincerity, he's law abiding, he's, he's rich, he's a ruler, uh, he's young. We learn that from the other gospels. And so you think, what is this one thing? Is there some special work that he needs to do that will just tip him over into the kingdom? No, the one thing he lacks is that he has to leave it all behind and follow Jesus. So you still will lack one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And then Jesus says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now at this point, I just want to step back and show you how what's going on here fits into the story, the wider story. Um, so earlier in the chapter, last week, we looked at the Pharisee and the tax collector, two men who went up to the temple to pray. The Pharisee's prayer, a, a religious boasting prayer. I thank you that I'm not like everyone else. I'm not like this tax collector. It was a prayer full of self-confidence, uh, a prayer of boasting before God and comparison to others. And then the tax collector just prays this simple prayer, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And you can see him beating his breast. He won't even look up to heaven. And Jesus says, it's the tax collector who goes home right with God. Now, why did the tax collector go home right with God? It's because he was trusting in God's mercy, not his own deeds. Why did the Pharisee not go home right with God? Because he stood before God on the basis of what he had achieved. And he went home out of relationship with God. Who is the rich ruler more like? Well, even though I think he's a more likable guy, I'd much rather have him as my neighbour than the Pharisee because uh, the Pharisee would be constantly looking over the fence, judging me. Uh, but can you see that this guy, when he stands before Jesus, it, he's still standing on the basis of what he has done. Uh, and so in that respect, he's more like the Pharisee hoping to earn eternal life by his own merit. Then we had the little children that came after that. And Jesus said, there's something about little children that we must imitate if we want to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, and we thought about that last week and we realized that what it is about little children is their dependence, that they receive stuff as a gift they don't, they don't think, oh, I've got to earn this thing that my parents have given me. They receive it. Uh, 
as a gift. Uh, but the older you get, the more you have that sense of, I've got to earn this. There's no such thing as a free lunch. You don't get something for nothing. And so we're just wired to feel like if, any, if we want anything good, we've got to strive and achieve it and win it. But Jesus says, no, if you want the kingdom, if you want eternal life, you need to become like a child and receive it as a gift. And the rich ruler hadn't caught on to this. He's still trying to earn eternal life. And then you get the blind man at the end of the chapter, um, and he's got kind of nothing going for him. And he throws himself on Jesus. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Jesus, you're my only hope. Have mercy on me. And Jesus does. He has mercy on him. But can you see the pattern? Uh, And it's a pattern that's been going through the whole of Luke's gospel. Those who miss out on eternal life are those who come to God trusting in their own deeds. And those who receive eternal life are those who desperately throw themselves on God trusting in his mercy alone. And then you remember where Jesus is heading, right? Throughout this whole section, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. We're in the final days of Jesus' life. By the time he meets the blind man, it's in the city of Jericho. So we're only 20 kilometers from Jerusalem. And why is Jesus heading to Jerusalem? Verse 31, he took the 12 aside and told them, We're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They'll mock him, insult him and spit on him. They'll flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The very reason that Jesus had set his face towards Jerusalem is to bring eternal life to anyone who would trust in him. Uh, and the, the goal was that Jesus would lay down his life as a sacrifice in our place so that God's forgiveness could be opened up and so that people who don't deserve the mercy of God could receive mercy and forgiveness. So eternal life is not something any of us earn. It's a gift that comes through Jesus' death in our place. So... The question of the rich ruler, how can I gain eternal life? After his encounter with Jesus, he walks away sad because he has the, the wrong approach. Uh, he's still trying to earn it. Now, I wonder whether any of you guys know how to play 500, right? So it's a card game. And some of you have switched off immediately, even before you've heard anything else I say. But please bear with me. Um, 500 is, a, is actually an excellent card game. Uh, it's lots of fun. But even if you don't know how to play, just, just listen to what I say. Um, so... The idea of 500 is you want to have really good hand, uh, cards in your hand. You get 10 cards each, and you want to have really good cards so that you can win as many tricks as possible. You, know, as, you want to have 10 winners in your hand if possible. And if this rich ruler was playing 500, he would be feeling very confident. Um, he's got a superb hand full of winners. Right? He's got the joker. You know, he's, he keeps the law even since he was a boy. The jack of hearts, the right bow, he's rich. He's got the left bow, he's Jewish. 
And and just card after card, you know, he's a ruler, he's sincere. It just looks like he's got a hand that cannot lose. And then you know what happens in his encounter with Jesus? Jesus calls Mazer, right? And if any of you know 500, if you're sitting with his hand, you'd just be really shaken. Because when in Mazer, you have to lose every trick. Uh, and, and so he's looking in his cards, and he hears Jesus call Mazer, and it's like, but, but these are the best cards I've ever had. I can't throw them away. His money, his law-keeping, his Jewishness, everything that he valued now meant nothing. Uh, he had his confidence in all this stuff, and Jesus is saying, you've got to let go of all that stuff. In fact, it actually gets in the way. Now, I want to tell you about the Apostle Paul, because he went on this same journey, and the outcome for him was much better. See, the Apostle Paul was like the rich ruler. In fact, I reckon he had better reasons for confidence than the rich ruler. Right? So this is Philippians 3. I'm going to read out for you. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says, If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Israel, sorry, the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless, can you, he just, he's got all these cards. Uh, it, he's just like the rich young man, all the credentials, and he wasn't in love with money like the rich young man was. But then listen to the next thing Paul says, and I've got it on the screen for you. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, they're rubbish, uh, worthless, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Um, Can you see that Paul had all these things in his life that that he thought gave him reason to boast before God, where he could actually stand before God and feel confident of being welcomed into heaven. But he came to meet Jesus and he realised none of those things mattered. Only relationship with Jesus matters. And so I just want to um, ask you all a question. I want you to commit to an answer in your own mind. Uh, and the question is this. If, if you were to die tonight and come face to face before God, and he said to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? So I just want you to come up with an answer in your head. Uh, what's your instinctive answer to God if he says to you, why should I let you into heaven? Just have a think about that because I think it will help you think into what you have your confidence in. So just take a moment, reflect, come up with an answer in your own mind.
Okay, well, let me just take a moment to unpack it. Because if your answer started because I, then there's very good chance that you've got the wrong approach, just like this rich ruler. Even if you're poor, but your answer starts because I, chances are you've got your confidence somehow in yourself. All right? if, you, if you're thinking because I have lived a good life, relatively, or because I go to church, uh, or because I... Whatever it is, that's the sort of response the Pharisee um, would reply. Um, what do you reckon the tax collector would reply? You know, the two men that went up to the temple to pray, and God says to him, why should I let you into heaven? What would he have said? I, I don't deserve it, but it's only because of your mercy. Because right? so, that's his prayer, wasn't it? God, have mercy on me. A sinner. What do you reckon the blind man would reply? It's because of your mercy. Uh, I don't have anything going for me, but I cried out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. And he did. I didn't deserve it. The Apostle Paul would say, because Jesus Christ died for me. Not anything I've done, not my religious heritage, but it's only because of Jesus. All that other stuff counts for nothing, but it's knowing Jesus and having faith in him, and my confidence comes from him. Now, let me ask you another question. If Jesus was to meet you, what, what would he kind of identify in your life as the barrier a potential barrier between you and him. So for this rich ruler, it was his wealth that got in the way. And he just was unwilling to put it aside. He had so much, he felt like he had too much to lose to put that aside and follow Jesus. What would Jesus identify in your life? Um, would, it, would it be wealth for you as well? Uh, I reckon there's a good chance, you know, for most of our fellow Aussies, that we have a lot of confidence in our wealth and our superannuation and our possessions, our house. Um, or for some of us, it might be popularity and reputation and you know, that sense of everyone thinks I'm a good person or sport or family. For some of us, it's a girlfriend or boyfriend where we go, that's that relationship is too important to me and so I'm going to actually turn away from Jesus for the sake of this relationship. Is there anything in your life that is more important to you than relationship with Jesus and eternal life? Where you say, I'll give it all to Jesus except I'm going to keep this thing. I cannot part with this thing. Now, whatever it is, I just want to urge you, don't make the same mistake this rich young ruler made, where he walked away sad. He, he, he was there in the presence of Jesus. And the blind man, only a few verses later, receives mercy, and he doesn't have anything to offer Jesus. He just asks for mercy and he receives it. But this guy walks away sad because the stuff that he's not willing to part with, 
Uh, and so it becomes a barrier to him following Jesus. And that is a tragedy. But I also want to say, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, just listen to Jesus' encouragement as we finish up. Jesus says, verse 29, I, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this life and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus wants us to be really clear that it is the best decision to follow him because there may be a cost and there probably will be a cost just sitting lightly to the things you once treasured. But even in this life, you'll be better off. And in the life to come, there is eternal life. Jesus will never feel, make you feel shortchanged. Right? Unless your eyes drift off him and on your neighbour, right? keep your eyes fixed on him. He will never shortchange you, both in this life and in the life to come. But he calls us to trust him and surrender our lives to his lordship. So I'm going to lead us in prayer, if you pray with me. God, our Father, we are sorry that we so often put confidence in ourselves, or money, or our possessions, or the things of this world, rather than trusting you. Thank you that Jesus came to bring your mercy free, your grace poured out on us, your forgiveness. Thank you that he walked the road to the cross for us in our place. Although he was despised and rejected, he did it for us. We thank you so much for your love. And Father, we pray, please have mercy on each one of us. Forgive us our sins. Today we surrender our lives to you. Everything we hold dear, we place at your feet. Our money, our possessions, our dreams, our reputation. Father, we want to trust in your goodness and your promises that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you will lead us safely through this life, safely through the darkest valley, safely even through death, into your eternal kingdom. Uh, And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.